Blog Talk Radio. What's up, guys? You're listening to Wide Open Radio, the nation's number one motorcycle talk radio show, with your hosts, Courtney Lambert and Dave Withrow. Hear real talk discussions about the latest custom motorcycle news and events. Now grab a drink and have a seat, because we're about to get started. What's up, guys? This is your host, Courtney Lambert. I'm excited to be back from our longer-than-expected Christmas break. Uh, We actually did an episode right before Christmas and then said we were going to take off Christmas week and New Year's week. We ended up extending it to this week just so that we could have a four-episode month for January. So I'm super excited to announce all the uh, featured guests that we have on this month, and I'll do that towards the end of the show The lineup is incredible. I'm so excited to have all of the awesome people on that we have, and we're just going to continue that through February. I think we're going to be doing a live show possibly at V-Twin Expo. I've spoken to a couple of people about that. So that'll be pretty interesting because we may have more than one guest on that show. There's been a lot of things going on in the motorcycle industry since we were last on air. Uh, But I want to say first, before I start talking about some current events and things that have been happening, uh, this is the start of our sixth season. So I think it's pretty cool. Uh, We've been uh, at this thing with Wide Open Radio for about five years now. And for those of you who don't know the history of the show, we started this in the Chattanooga, Atlanta, and Nashville market back in 2010. Uh, We did that for just a little while, about a year and a half or so, and then moved the show down to the Orlando-Tampa market. Then that's whenever we decided to take the show completely internet, and people thought we were kind of nuts because everybody wasn't really used to the whole internet radio podcasting yet, but I'm so glad we did it. Uh, It's been so much easier to track our listeners and to actually reach out and uh, approach our listeners rather than waiting on them to come to our website. So it's been very interactive. We've been able to incorporate a lot of social media into uh, our marketing and advertising. And as a consequence of that, our listeners have more than tripled. It's It's been pretty cool. Uh, we have gone from our listeners being uh, between five and 10,000 per episode to sometimes 35,000 per episode, which still blows my mind. Um, so I, I really appreciate everybody listening. And I just wanted to throw that out there since this is, Uh, the kickoff of our sixth season with Wide Open Radio. Now, some things that have been going on, uh, some events and some preparation for upcoming events. Uh, We just did Thunder by the Bay here in Sarasota. And you guys have heard me talk about that a lot, not just because this is my hometown. This is actually a big event, and it's something that I really want to encourage people to maybe look to going to in the future, Um, not just because it's a big event, but because it's Sarasota in the winter. Why wouldn't you want to come down here? I keep hearing everybody talk about how cold it is where they are and people are fighting with snow. And uh, we were out on the bikes enjoying a huge bike rally in short sleeves and jeans and boots this weekend. Uh, We did have one rainy day on Saturday, which kind of dampened things a little bit, no pun intended. Uh, But some things were added this year that I want to mention just to kind of tell you how big this event is becoming. Now, you've heard me say before, whenever we first moved to Florida about four and a half years ago, I had never heard of Thunder by the Bay. I'd heard of other, you know, Thunder Beach in Panama City, uh, and I was like, oh, Thunder by the Bay is probably just a 
sister to that or something, and it's probably really small. So the first time that I went, I was completely blown away. It is a huge event. And at that time, there were probably about 150,000 or so people who came into town. And it was right on the borderline, you know, with with me having um, doing business with Allstate and being a spokesperson for the company. Um, I kind of know where that line is. They like to go to the the large events. We only go to Daytona and uh, Bikes, Blues, and Barbecue and Galveston and Sturgis. So the ones that have over 200,000 people consistently. And I kept thinking, oh, this is almost there, but it's not quite there. I knew it was getting close, though. Well, I show up this weekend, and lo and behold, there's Geico. Geico had a huge display there on two sides of the road, and uh, not only Geico, but Harley-Davidson sent their corporate people down to do the demo rides, which is huge. Those of you in the industry know that whenever you go to an event and they're doing demo rides, you have a good event going on. And it's something that they see value in, so they send the people down to do the demo rides. Uh, so it was really cool to see that. It's definitely a, a, a sign that the, the event is huge and it's not going anywhere. Uh, Sunday, they did an awesome bike show. They do the bike show every year. Um, I, they have close to 20 classes in that bike show, everything from rat rod bikes to uh, classic American bikes, vintage stuff, uh, custom baggers. Uh, and my favorite, they added a ruckus class this year. So uh, they had custom ruckuses. Uh, Corey just finished his, so I rode it down there, uh, which was pretty fun. Um, I think there were only about six, probably six ruckuses in the class, but it's growing, and this is the first time they did it, so uh, hopefully that'll get bigger, too, because those are pretty big down here. Those of you who don't know what a ruckus is, you know, the little Honda ruckus scooters, well, we slam them and stretch them, and Corey just, I don't think he can, he keeps going bigger and bigger on the motor. They start out with 49cc motors, and he went up to 150, 180, 190, 200. Um, it's, it's pretty fun to ride. It, it really told me how little people see these things. I was riding down the main road, which is Tamiami through town, and the guys were behind me on the motorcycles, and I'm on this little ruckus, and I take off from them, and I get to a stoplight, and this group of bikers pulls up next to me, like old-school, hardcore stock Harley-Davidson, you know, like tough guys. And the old man looks over at me, and he shakes his head, and he goes, I'm really ashamed to even ask this, but what's that thing got in it? I thought it was hilarious because he, he was like, that thing's fast. So uh, we had a lot of fun with that. And uh, it just, again, just shows that the event's growing. So that's Thunder by the Bay. It's always the first weekend, I guess, in January here in Sarasota. And then we back it right up next weekend, not this coming weekend, but next weekend with the Full Throttle Builders Invitational at uh, Quaker Steak and Lube in Clearwater. This is this is growing. It's a big event. We we do it big in January down here, guys. Uh, we've got the weather, so we take advantage of it. They do $20,000 in cash prizes. And you guys know it's hard to find custom bike shows that offer cash prizes these days. You used to hear it all the time, and now they're, I think the market's just saturated, and there's so many bike shows. Every weekend, there's something going on somewhere, so it's hard to find those cash prize shows. And this is one of them. So, That'll be a good show. That's in Clearwater, Florida, not this coming weekend, but the next weekend. It's like the 23rd or so of January. And, uh, of course, we've got Easy Rider Tour going on, uh, Baddest Bagger. There's one coming up. And then V-Twin Expo. And I'm going to ask Brian about this whenever we get him on air because uh, I, I'm not sure. I'm assuming maybe he's going, so we'll find out about that. But V-Twin Expo is first weekend in February. 
So a lot going on, even though it's winter. And let's not forget IMS either. So there's still a lot of bike events going on out there. If you are up north and you're stuck in that snow, there are still a lot of things going on that you can participate in if you're getting the fever, not being able to ride. So uh, very excited about all those things. Uh, we do have an update on the Kaylee Schneider Big Wheel Bagger Parts and Builder Review um, fundraiser that's going on. You guys have heard us talk about that a couple of times, and we had um, Phil and Aaron on. We had um, a couple other people on to talk about different things they're doing to uh, raise money. James Patience was on. Uh, we're going to replay that episode this week because we didn't really publicize that very well. It was during the break. So uh, be listening for that. I'm going to post an update to let you know when you can listen. It's just a short 30-minute episode where we're going to talk about uh, the progression in the plans for the ride that's going on in Daytona for Bike Week. Again, that's the Kaylee Schneider fundraiser. Now, I told you we have an amazing lineup over the next few weeks, and I'm going to start planning ahead. Or I always plan ahead, but I'm going to announce ahead of time so you guys can look forward to who we have coming on. So uh, towards the end of the show, I'll let you know who we have on later this month. But right now, I want to bring on somebody that I've been pretty excited about. Um, Brian Clock has been in the industry for quite a while, but for whatever reason, I've never really had much of a chance to get to know him and talk to him. Uh, we've used his products. I've, I've listened to him on other people's shows, and um, I'm really excited to really get in and ask him some questions, and I can learn more about him while you guys learn about him, too. So I'm going to go ahead and bring Brian on. How are you doing tonight, Brian? Great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, I'm excited you're finally on. I've I've been wanting to have you on for a while. We finally got our schedules worked out. You're a busy man. Yeah, and I I was taking offense to all that talk about warm weather. You know, it's supposed to be negative 10 here tomorrow. So. <laughs> hey, I didn't put you there. <laughs> I hear you. I've got I've got uh, JD Bay from Motor Trike actually is flying in here for a project we're working on. And he called me today, and he's a little freaked out. He said, I'll be there on Saturday, dude, but I've never been in anything less than 10 positive degrees. And he goes, they're saying negative 20 for Saturday. He goes, what am I going to do? I said, well, you don't go outside and break in half or anything. It's like, you'll be okay. He said, it'll be all right. But he's like, I don't even have a coat honestly, to wear up there. Yeah, that's that's the problem with people. And I don't even know where he's from, but, I mean, I've always yeah, lived in the South, so – I yeah, don't he's even from have Troop, Texas. For that. So, yeah, Troop, Texas. <laughs> he said it was 65 there today. I said, well, it's not the case. So, <laughs> It's funny because I've been hoping for a break in the weather down here. Uh, I never was a winter person before I moved to Florida, and it's just so hot in the summer that now I look forward to January, February, because that's the only time that it really gets below 70. And uh, the past... <laughs> The past two or three days, it's been below 60, and I actually turned the heat on in the house, which never happens. <laughs> yeah, that's wrong on every level. I always tell people, I say, Sorry. you know, one of, the good things, one of the good things about being up here in South Dakota and being in this cold weather, I said, it definitely locks you indoors for about three or four months and helps yeah. you get creative because you, you, you can't just go out and ride somewhere. Yeah, well, creative it's and not family an option, time you know? and, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's cool. I mean, I don't have a problem with being home. I like being home. Corey's too social of a person, so we end up being out a lot. But I would be fine if we stayed home most of the time. Well, and, and congratulations to you guys on that uh, the Red Road Glide winning the show down in Sarasota. That was pretty cool. 
Yeah, the one the, with your windshield. One, yeah, I know. And, I mean, it's such a great bike. I, I fell in love with that bike when I was at Biketoberfest. And, you know, he said, yeah, send me one of those windshields. I'll try it, you know. And then I, I ran into him <laughs> uh, later on at the Baddest Bagger Show. And he's like, dude, never again. He goes, I got to have that windshield. He goes, that's crazy. He goes, I rode it up here from Orlando. And he said, I'm just blown away. He's like, my hat. I Like, I I had my hat on. <laughs> he said, I totally get it. That's- I'm like, Hey, that's a big fun. deal because I'm usually I'm usually going back. He loses more hats than anybody <laughs> I've ever met. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I was excited and it was an honor to to be included in the build. So that's always fun for me. Cool. Well, he he can't say enough good things about you. So that's one of the reasons I've been excited to get you on, so I can learn more about you because I've never really had a chance to do that. So I I, I um think, I go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I think. Probably that's the case with a lot of people. Um, you know, we're not – I'm really not that garish builder or I don't, like, make a big stink or I'm not involved in a bunch of controversy. Uh, the last time yeah. I was at a John Shope's place and they were filming him for, an, for a thing, um, the lady who was filming said um, – she goes, I have to ask you a question. Like, who are you or what's your deal? Because, like, you know, John's really <laughs> respectful to you and, and, you know, I've been filming him for, like, you know, 45 days and I've never seen him act like that around somebody – and I said, well, I think it's just because I'm that guy and I put my hand level, you know. I said, I'm always yeah. going to be that guy. I'm, I'm not up and down. I'm always just kind of going to be here. And, and really, I hope to, you know, spend another 30 years in this business. And at the end of the day, all I have is, you know, my last name and my reputation. I have to be, you know, good to people, period. So yeah, that's my goal. Well, I really respect that. I, I think that's the way that you should do business. I think that's the way everybody should do business. Unfortunately, it's not the way that everybody does business. <laughs> but um, there's there's a few people in the industry that I've been lucky enough to, to become very close with. And they, to me, in, in my eyes, they are the epitome of success. And one of those people is Rick Fairless. And that's one of the things that he always tells me. He just he always says, Courtney, I'm I'm just always there. I'm just a normal person. I try to treat my customers like I would like to be treated and I try to be fair. And I totally respect that. So that's yeah, that's I, good. Yeah. That's, you know, I think for us it was, you know, it's been it was a long climb. I think, you know, we were that little guy who was, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul, some guy'd pay you for building one cool bike and then you <laughs> right away spend all that money on parts to make the next one. And then, yeah. you know, it was it was really the break um, in 2006. You know, I'd, I'd been asked to do the biker build off in '04 and turned them down, and uh, they were shocked. And I said, "Well, I just I, I'm not ready." You know, and I really it was it was great yeah. self awareness for me at that point. And then in '06, when we got the call back to do it, and we were the first and only person to build a bagger for the build off. Um, and then when my wife Laura set the land speed record, you know, two weeks after winning the build-off in Sturgis. (laughs) All of that was just mind-boggling. You know, I told her, don't go that fast. The bike wobbles at 125. She comes back the first pass at like (laughs) 138.4 and broke the record by 0.4 tenths of a mile an hour or something crazy like that. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, if you can back this up, she goes, it's got more. And I'm like, okay, go for it. You know, and yeah. that was really the the turning point. On the way home, I had my hand out the window and was playing around with the wind, and um, like everybody mm-hmm. does, and and uh, I just was like, you know, there's got to be a way to put some downforce on the front of this thing and to change that diversion of that wind, and that became mm-hmm. the flare windshield, and you know, that's kind of the Cinderella story that is Clockworks, really. That's really cool. I love hearing stories like that. 
It was, you know, that's, that's the really that's neat. the readers readers digest condensed version. But man, it it was it was a change <laughs> change of the game. You know, we went to to uh, Cincinnati that year. And we started putting them on people's bikes. You know, I, I think I took 20 of them, and I thought, oh, my God, I can't give away 20 windshields. Like, this is crazy, right? <laughs> and, uh, and I and started putting them on, you know, Jerry Covington's bike, and I put one on Paul Yaffe's bike, and, and Zach Ness puts one on their bike, and him and Corey. And then, you know, we just kept handing them out. And suddenly they're uh-huh. gone, and, and uh, boy, the, the real effect came after Daytona when everybody got to go down to Daytona, have their bikes out in the sun, and really go for a ride. And then it yeah. was like they just came back like, oh my god, I got to get some more of those. You know, what's the deal with this thing? And that's uh, so awesome. So many people put it on because it looks cool, but the fact of the matter is, a stock bike has thirty pounds of lift. This prov- provides fifteen pounds of downforce, so it's like putting a spoiler on your motorcycle. So if you've ever felt that yeah. shudder, that little wiggle when you're cruising by a semi, it's gone. Yeah. And Very so now cool. you can hear your radio better, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, of course, then that leads into, you know, our daughters and, and their whole deal, and they just want to go land speed racing. And I said, well, we want to do what mom did. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> you know, we'll have to see what the, the parameters are. And we found out it was literally you just had to have a driver's license. And the blessing for them was wow. you can get your license in South Dakota when you're 14 years old. So wow. the, the next year, yeah, no, the next year, Erica <laughs> and Laura set a land speed record. So they became the first mother daughter in history. And then the following year in 2008, Carly, uh, was 14, got her license, went out and, uh, broke her sister's record. Her sister set really? another record in a different class. Yeah. So we had a little sibling <laughs> bash there for a little while. And then, uh, then mom got another record. So they became the first mother daughter daughter in land speed history, all to hold records at the same time. And uh, they've so since cool. been, yeah, they've since been named to the 100 most influential women in land speed racing history. And this wow. year, um, there will be a little documentary coming out called Clocked, Women of Horsepower, uh-huh. uh, just about them and their pursuit of, of land speed and what they love about it. And um, their goal this year is to be the first mother, daughter, daughter in history, all over 200 on the same bike. So they're just going to take wow. turns and keep running the crap out of this bike. So we got to build one strong enough to hold up to those guys. That's so, be so fun. cool. Now, do you guys all go out to the races together? Obviously, we do. Whole and family. I hadn't, yeah, and I didn't race until uh, maybe like two years ago. And we had a blown Dyna sitting around that we the girls had set records on, and, and the girls are like, "Why don't you just race it? Because it's just sitting there." <laughs> and uh, of course, I did it. Jumped in the water and. Um, Unfortunately, the fastest I've ever been is 173 miles an hour, and I set a record on a blown victory with the guys over at Lloyd's Motor Works. Uh-huh. And Carly came running up to me in the pits, and, you know, she's kind of like uh, just, you know, she's like the little boy that I never had. You know, she comes screaming up there, <laughs> and she goes, she goes, hey, man, that's awesome. Way to go. That was a great record. And then she kind of got all somber, and she looks at me, and she goes, you're still 25 miles an hour too slow. And I'm like, what? She goes, well, you know, I've been 196. <laughs> I'm like, great. So, you know, if nothing else, your kids will always bring you right back to reality. And so, yeah, the girls have been yeah. 195, 196, and 197. And um, to just be able to do that as a family uh, for those two months out of the year that you can actually run at the salt um, when it's not uh-huh. rained out or when something's not going on is such a treat for us. And um, you know, I, I don't know those girls, you know, I was walking with Carly this year at Sturgis at the 75th and we, 
couldn't go to the hamster dinner. We didn't make it to the Hall of Fame breakfast. We were so dang busy, and people were just lined up getting windshields. It was crazy. And on Thursday morning, I got up, and Laura said, don't you dare disappoint her. And what she meant was, <laughs> you don't disappoint Carly, because always on Thursday, it's it's like uh, daddy-daughter day. And so Carly and I um, usually ride to the hamster luncheon in, in Spearfish, and then we go walk around Sturgis and just see what's new. Uh-huh. Well, so we did that, get down to Sturgis, and we're walking down the street, uh, down the alley, actually, behind J&P Cycles. And she looks at me, and she goes, it's been a decade, you know. I said, it's been a decade? What do you mean it's been a decade? She goes, this is my 10th year in Sturgis. I'm like, oh, my oh, God, you're so right. Cool. She goes, yeah, you you brought me out here when I was 11. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so here she is, you know, 21 years old, and she's at Sturgis. And I'm like, yikes, I did bring you out here when you were 11. You're right. <laughs> So, pretty fun deal, though. Yeah. What did you guys think about the uh, hamster lunch this year in Deadwood? That was different, huh? Yeah. And and the thing is, you know, I actually had to just jam to J&P Cycles after the luncheon and check uh-huh. on my team there and then go right back to Rapid. So, I didn't even get to go to Deadwood. All I got to see was all the cool pictures uh-huh. from my friends who enjoyed the heck out of it and enjoyed the ride-in and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I didn't that's how it works. I'm you always know, at my booth. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things, you know, it's hard, you know, all your friends are out there and you have all your friends in the industry, but then all of a sudden when your product takes off, it's kind of like the whole deal about be careful if you make your hobby your job, you know, suddenly it, uh, yeah. it it's work, you know, it's for real. So. Yeah, that's a good problem to have, though. I, I We miss out on a lot of things, it seems like, but a lot of people would probably like to be in your shoes, too, you know? Yeah, yeah, and you and you get to share in so much cool stuff. You know, I know for us, you know, this winter um, we've come out with like 88 new SKU numbers and new products, and um, my wow. team's just jacked. You know, and we just came off the Consumer Electronics Show last week. Uh, we were there with Kicker Audio and had some uh-huh. stuff on display, and then we had a bike on display for Stratasys, which is the world's largest um, 3D rapid prototype printing company. Okay. So it's just fun. You know, I'm excited. I'm excited to show people what we've come up with. Uh, our next stop really will be Daytona and we'll be in front of J&P Cycles. And uh, okay. we've got a new we've got a new phone mount that I'm super excited about. I know that's nothing to do with windshields and it's probably a curveball <laughs> for most people to see us making a phone mount. But uh, I had found something I was thrilled with at Consumer Electronics Show two years ago, and it's been a, quite a project, but we've got it all done now, and we're bringing it out in Daytona. So I'm excited. Awesome. You know, I hear a lot of people asking for those, and we we don't use them personally just because we honestly don't have a whole lot of time to ride personally. But right. a lot of customers come in and they ask, you know, like, oh, what boat mount do you recommend? And and we need this and we need that. And we don't carry that stuff. So maybe we'll have to – maybe we well, need to do and, that now. Yeah, well, and everybody makes kind of that – I call them grabbies. It's like that thing that has uh-huh. four prongs sticking off it, and it looks like this octopus sitting on top of your handlebar. Yeah. And ours is just a really slick little magnetic mount. And I rode – with mine on the hot bike tour and the last uh-huh. day um one of the guys jeff holt got a hold of me and he's like hey what's the, what's the story with that thing and i said what do you mean he goes i keep seeing you snap your phone onto that deal is it work and i'm like yeah, i've been riding at 120 yeah, miles an hour and, yeah it's not going anywhere <laughs> you know i'm fully confident i i'm not gonna lose my phone so yeah i'm yeah. super excited and that'll be a fun deal but it, it's um the product's called isle mounts 
and we have an exclusive uh-huh. uh, for the Power Sports business. Uh, and so we've been making them for everything from Honda Goldwings to Harley Davidson Road Glides. We've got Indian Victory, Kawasaki all done. We make a, a mount for the Polaris Razor, and we're working on one this week for the Slingshot. So awesome! So uh, yeah. are these? Are you unveiling these at V Twin, or are they already available? Or Actually, Daytona, you know, you say? in Daytona, um, we won't be set up at V Twin this year. Um, I haven't set up there the last couple of years only just because it's been so busy, and I haven't. I mean, the, just for the money that it takes me to set up there and to have all those people there, it's a lot for just a dealer show. Just that's my yeah. own personal opinion. I mean, I love the show and I love Jim Betlack and those guys and the whole process, but. I've really been putting my effort towards retail, and so going to J&P Cycles and having my whole team there has been such a big dynamic difference. And, yeah. Uh, I'd, you know, I kind of got to throw the money down there and, and make sure that we have the team there so I can see some dealer friends that are coming down, and I can also uh, just deal with the general public because at the end yeah. of the day, we we probably don't always make the coolest most radical products and I'm not known for being the big wheel bagger guy or anything, but um, we definitely are the everyman guy. And so, you know, if a guy's got just a regular ultra or street glide or even has a big wheel bagger, but he wants our windshield or he wants in this case now the new phone mount or something, that'll be great. Yeah. And And that's, that's smart business. I mean, not to pigeonhole yourself into just big wheel baggers. A lot of companies out there are doing that. And to be able to say that no matter what you ride, you've got a product for them, that's good business. Well, and I, I think I don't even think it was any sort of you know genius move on my part. I think it just came from being a South Dakota kid. Uh, we're in a town, Mitchell, mm-hmm. South Dakota, the home of the Corn Palace, right? And there's 15,000 people here, <laughs> but there there's a lot of farmers, you know? So if a guy comes in yeah. and he takes confidence in you and says, hey, I want to spend 300 bucks on my bike, what would you do? And you do it. Well, then the next step yeah. is the guy goes, hey, I want to spend $3,000 on my bike this year. Oh, okay. So what would you do? And so yeah. it was kind of just you're trying to make something that this guy can pull out with a bike night, be cool about it. But I always went for the, I call them the hard parts. So like to make fenders or to make things that – you know, there's a ton of people making grips, a ton of people making handlebars, and ton of people making floorboards and pegs and stuff like that. And I've got a bazillion mm-hmm. friends in the wheel industry, you know. <laughs> so it's like I yeah. don't want to do that. So I always went where there was a niche. Like if nobody's making yeah. a cool this or that steel fender, then that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stamp out steel fenders or make the windshield. Or in this case, I hadn't found a phone mount that I liked. So here yeah. we go. You know? Well, that's smart. And I want to talk a little bit while we're on the topic. I want to talk about what products you offer just for our listeners. Cause a lot of our listeners are, I mean, that's just what people are into right now, big wheel baggers and stuff. So what do you offer for that, for that niche? Do you have well, fenders for them? Do you yeah, have other actually, accessories they may be interested in? Yeah, we've got 26 inch and 23 inch uh, steel fenders. I didn't go into the 30, um, but I do mm-hmm. also we we also have a one piece rear fender with fillers for the back. Nice. Um, our uh-huh. our our clip hanger handlebars is is it's been a fun part because it's been probably three years that we've kind of had them out per se, but hadn't really pushed them because we were still so busy with windshields and then Harley changed to Project Rush more and so that took a bunch of work for us to retool up and make new windshields for that. And 
the cliffhangers are now just kind of all of a sudden have this momentum, you know, and um, Mikel, one of my guys, was at the Toronto Super Show up in Canada a couple weeks ago, and he said, man, those 14-inch cliffhangers on that uh, roguelite were a hit, you know, and what it is, it's just, uh, it's like a, we call them cliffhangers because it's like a clip-on handlebar, but it's an ape uh-huh. hanger with a clip-on style mount, so now you can loosen up the three Allen bolts on the top and turn the handlebars towards you or push them away from you or slide them okay. up and down on the bar and you can cut the bar to the length you want. And it's just one of those, it's a really simple idea, but it makes, it makes it so comfortable. Like I tell my customer, come in, yeah. sit on the bike, literally close your eyes and now adjust the handlebars to where you want. We'll lock them down and you're good to go. That's perfect. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. It, it makes, yeah. it makes a, uh, big long days really so much more enjoyable because putting on a set of handlebars is can be a daunting task for a lot of guys be it's expensive uh, you don't know if you have the right cables if you have the right handlebar and the cool thing about our handlebars and the feedback that we're getting is that a guy's like man it's perfect i can sit on there i can pull the bar back to me i can tip the bars in or out as far as your hand and your wrist position goes and uh-huh. it, it's really simple but I guess that's kind of our specialty is simple things that just make your life a little better, I hope. Yeah. What is your top seller? Is, is your total top seller the uh, windshield? Uh, absolutely. The windshield is our core our core thing. You know, it became the V-Twin product of the year in 2009 and 2010. Um, since then, uh, um, a bunch of different companies, is that the nicest way to put it, went on and made copies of it. <laughs> and, yeah. uh you know, it's a sincere form of flattery, you know, but, I, I, you know, some of those yeah. companies are huge and I don't want to go to court and, and end up in a big old battle and end up bitter about a brand that I built my whole life on or, you know, yeah. get in a battle with, you know, guys who are my friends in the industry or I think that are my friends. It's just <laughs> yeah. li- life's, you know, life's too short for that. So I really want to just keep moving forward. And so now to make um, new windshields and new products has been fun for us. We, uh, you know, we we are the factory accessory part for um, Victory and for Indian both, and you nice. know that's a huge huge nod. Anytime an OEM has enough belief in you to say, "Yeah, bring it," um, it's yeah. awesome. That is really cool. And, you know, it's and, funny that you mentioned people knocking off parts and stuff because I'm I'm that perpetually positive person. Like I can spin anything and find a positive <laughs> angle in it for some that's reason. Great. It's probably annoying. But um, I, I keep telling people, you know, I'm like, yeah, it, it sucks with my your parts off, you know, and, and just like you said, do you want to fight over it? Do you not want to fight over it? And I always try to tell our, you know, I'm like, at least it, it maybe maybe the positive side is that it pushes you to, to go past your limits and develop something that's even better than that thing that you thought was the best thing you ever came up with, you know? So well, ex- exactly. that's my positive I mean, spin on it. Yeah, exactly. And the first time it happened, you know, I'll never forget, you know, Dan Cheeseman uh, is my business partner. He was also my first ever employee. You know, he's been with me forever. And, and uh, of course, my uh-huh. wife, Laura, is the other part of that threesome that owns Clockworks. And, uh-huh. and it, you know, when it, when it first happened, we were all just like, oh, man, you know, it's over. Like, I mean, look at all these people copying it, you know. And then at the end of the day, it was like, wow, that really is flattering. And what they did was just validate that these kids in Mitchell, South Dakota, actually had a good idea. Yeah. And so you yeah. have to kind of look at it like that and just, again, put that positive spin on it and keep moving forward, you know. Yeah. And so yeah. even That's- even even when people, you know, are honest sometimes about, you know, hey, how come you don't build a big wheel bagger? It's like, well, 
I don't know. My thing is just to go fast and to break even faster. So I really like, you yeah. know, a 19-inch front wheel and just, you know, I, I like to ride really ridiculously fast. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so that's my thing. And not that you can't with a big wheel bagger, but, you know, that's when we started getting into guys calling us all the time going, hey, I love my stamp steel fender on my 21, but now I want a 26. You know, can you make a fender for yeah. it? And, you know, we've been fortunate, you know, to get, you know, guys like Corey, um, Jerry Covington has used our fenders forever on his bikes, him and David. And, uh, it's cool because they cut them up, they extend them, they, you know, can weld on them because they're 14 gauge steel. Um, and they're all, all those products are stamped and made here in the U S we make nothing overseas. And to me, that's just a really big deal because it's like, whether I make it in Michigan or somebody makes it in Minnesota and then we ship it all from South Dakota or we have it made at a machine shop just, you know, across the road here, it's like, that's awesome for me. And I love using yeah. uh, my friends in the industry that can make stuff for us and just, um, you know, bring our designs to life. It's it's been It's been a treat for me. Well, very cool. I have to ask you, um, if if going fast is your thing, what do you, if somebody comes in and says they want to build a performance bagger and they, they let you go crazy on it and do what you want to do, what's the first thing you do to the motor? <laughs> Good question. Um, <laughs> really, from all of my um, experience, you know, the two things. Okay, let me say this first. We don't build bikes for customers anymore. So if somebody wants okay. to buy one of our bikes, they have to buy one of our project bikes that they see on the road. And that's usually what happens is somebody says, I want that one at the end of the season or I want it right now and then i got to make a different one. And that works out right. okay. But we we just couldn't keep the service shop and the motor shop and all that stuff open anymore because the product thing just took off so big for us. We just really couldn't keep up. And yeah. so it was a tough decision and it was really tough for me because at the end of the day I love building bikes and I love the creative process uh, that goes into putting the right team together to build the right thing, to do the right you know, to make it work. But at the end of the day, if I was talking about motors and what you would do first is if you really want to make it bulletproof, you have to make sure the bottom end is right. And um, the guys that like Dark Horse Crankworks, I'm a big uh-huh. fan of their work, and um, we send our stuff to them for our race bikes just to make sure it, the bottom end is perfect and to get the bearings correct and to make sure everything's just dialed in because – Um, there's nothing worse than just, you know, doing a top end on something or doing the heads and the cylinders and making it go super fast. And all of a sudden the bottom end of it just grenades itself because (laughs) it just wasn't strong enough. You can't handle it. Yeah. So, and I've done that. I've been out at Bonneville and I totally took the bottom end out of our Dyna and, um, you know, that experience at 150 miles an hour will get your attention. So I guess so. (laughs) Hey, you hear this well, big old bang, us. and the push rods all bend up, and you're like, oh, oops, sorry, honey, I broke your bike. Oh, my. I would probably throw up because I don't even want to know how much goes, how much money goes into that and how much thought and hard right. work goes into that. Right. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I really enjoy talking about, Brian, on the show, uh, because I feel like it gives listeners uh, kind of a behind-the-scenes or inside look at your operation, Um mm-hmm. From the outside looking in, a lot of the big builders and companies in the industry, people just assume that they have these huge multi-million dollar operations with five <laughs> dozen employees and, and like <laughs> 10 bay doors of semi-trucks lined up in the back, you know? And then it, yeah. it's funny because on the show, we'll talk about, you know, yeah, this business that you thought was huge has 
three employees and their yeah. building is 3,000 square feet, you know. So yeah. tell tell us a little bit about your operation and who who's there on a daily basis it's, and how you guys run the place. Well, it's 7,500 square feet. Um, 4,000 of that is shop and the 3,000, uh, 3,500 roughly. The other front is just uh, retail space and offices. Uh-huh. And and literally, it's an it's a converted old machinery repair building. It's an old machinery dealer shop, and so they used to fix cool. combines in here. So we have this big old door. Uh, it, we have a gravel parking lot, and so that really does great wonders for your beautiful bikes when they're sitting outside. <laughs> they're just a dusty mess every day, and yeah. all the streets around me are gravel. And so I'm now working with the city because no city in the world should have gravel streets and. Uh, hopefully that all yeah. happens this year and we get that fixed, but they're working on paving the stuff. Um, like I said, uh, we hosted the hot bike tour uh, earlier this year, yeah. and it was funny because I think a lot of guys pulled up here and are like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? This is <laughs> clockworks. And I think they were surprised and excited at the same time because they found out it was just a down-home good old boy shop. And next thing you know, they're like, hey, yeah. Brian, do you have this or can I get that? And I'm like, yeah, here, I'll just pull that bike off the lift. You put your bike up there. You know, Paul Yaffe was doing some work on one of his bikes, and um, um, oh, I can't remember his name. Uh, Matt Harris from 40 Cal Customs was working on his bike, and next thing you know, his uh-huh. dad's in there spraying the floor down and squeezing <laughs> off. He goes, I kind of made a mess in here. I said, ah, oh, don't worry about it, man. It's great. You know, it's all good. And and I think, you know, even when customers come by and they're going on the way through, we always take the time to give somebody a tour we always take yeah. them in the back. We show them what's new, what we're working on. Uh, you know, we got a new uh, Indian Scout we're doing a project with here right now, and um, an FXRT that I'm working on for a friend of mine. And and we always bring them back and say, here's you know, here's what we're building right now. Here's the newest, coolest parts, and here's the stuff under this uh, bench over here that I don't want you to take pictures of and and, and don't yeah. show it to anybody yet. But we're never we're never shy about bringing them back, you know. And I think it's one of the great experiences because people come back uh, time and time again and just say, you know, man, everybody there was so nice, and I just love dealing with your family and and um, you know just seeing everybody. Because Carly's here with Nelson, her bulldog. Uh, my wife Laura's here. <laughs> you know, Dan's here. We've got um, three, four guys now in the sales department. Um, you know, two techs in the back working all the time on stuff. Uh, our shipping department is really funny because we have a bunch of pallet racking back here with all these great white boxes, and then we have about six semis outside that are our, our mm-hmm. warehouse currently. <laughs> so we're, we're uh. so we so need a warehouse so bad, and so uh, we're hoping to break ground on a new warehouse in April, and and then uh, hopefully the city will pave the roads and we'll we will have a nice nice place <laughs> then, but. Right now, it's just an old farm building that we've converted to make it a motorcycle shop. So, well, I think that's super cool. And I was going to say, whenever you said you need warehouse space, I was like, oh, if you're in a town that doesn't even have paved roads, there's probably not a lot of empty warehouse space just laying around for you to pick up. <laughs> yeah, no, to, it's definitely not, have to build something. Well, and what I always laugh about is I think we're spoiled because we do have a warehouse like where we keep our, you know, the 48 foot trailer that we pull to shows and that kind of stuff. But it's like when you go to New York or something and you're talking to those mm-hmm. guys and you say, yeah, I've got this 65 Cadillac and I've got a 1967 GMC pickup and I've got a 64 Thunderbird and, you know, some more projects are not finished. The Cadillac's all done and dialed in, but, you know, and they're like, what? 
where do you keep all that? <laughs> I'm like, well, don't you have a shed? Yeah. You know, and I, I just assume everybody has a shed, you know, like, don't you have your own shed? Like you put your stuff in. So, yeah. Yeah. That's it's funny. always funny. That's a and, good year Cadillac. I want to see pictures of that. Okay, well, it's called the Bomb Daddy Caddy, and we built it in 2006. Um, my favorite personal bike is called the Cherry Bomb Bobber, and it's a 2004 Springer um, that I did um, back then, and we uh-huh. um, knocked it out of the park for Cherry Bomb. They were so excited. They said, hey, you know that old green Cadillac you're always talking about? I said, yeah. They said, we want you to build it. So we literally had huh. eight weeks to build our first ever car, Start to finish, oh we stripped goodness. this car down, and it was such a hit. And we we debuted it at the SEMA show of all things, and it was such a hit that they signed it to a two and a half year contract, and that was the last time I saw it. Um, and they traveled it all over the place. It was in Hot Rod Magazine. Chrysler built a matching Dodge Charger, which they gave away. Keep in mind, nice. it's '06, right? So it's the same uh-huh. time that we did the biker build off, and all the windshield stuff took off. So yeah. I didn't get to go to the Hot Rod Tour. I didn't get to go to any of the good guy shows or any of the shows that the car appeared at. So while we had built this uh, world-famous car, we never really got to see it. So it was one of those experiences. But wow. it's back here now, and if we want to take it out and go get a cheeseburger, we certainly can do that. So it's fun. That's cool. That's really cool. Now, you're, you said something about Biker Build-Off a couple of times, so I, I think everybody would be disappointed if I didn't bring it back up and get a little more information. Um, we've okay. had several people on the show who have participated in that, and every time we talk to somebody who's been a part of Biker Build-Off, we get a different yeah. opinion. So how did you feel about the whole process? Can you tell us a little bit about the episode that you were on? Yeah, I actually built against uh, Jay Hart, and Jay is from Indianapolis, and uh, Jay built a really cool little bobber, and he's a great guy. Um, At that time, like, I'm now one of the old guys probably of the industry, and at that time I was quite a bit even older than him (laughs) still, you know. So uh, it was fun because uh, I called him and I said, hey, don't worry about it, dude. I'm fixing to lose this. Uh, And he's like, what? And I said, I'm building a bagger. And he's like, oh, my God, you're not. And I said, yeah. He's like, oh, they're going to hate you. I said, I know, but I said, at the end of the day, it's my forty grand that you're sticking in all these parts and all this money. And I said, yeah. I'm I'm going to do what what I know that I'm good at, and that was extending bagger fenders and doing you know bagger handlebars and metal dashes for the tanks. And we were just starting to make mm-hmm. parts, you know. And uh, when they came in, they said, okay, now here's the deal: it's you versus Jay, and it's this battle. I said, no, 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 no. I said, this it's my team versus whoever he's got on his team. And they said, no, no, you don't understand. And I said, no, you don't understand. You can leave. And they're like, what? And I said, yeah. I said, unless you film all my guys walking through the front door and everybody gets, I don't care if it's, you know, a half a second of credit on that show. Otherwise, yeah. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And Good so really you. that's that's what it's always been about here. You know, I, I mean, it's. We live and die as a team. I mean, yeah, I'm Brian Clock. I'm the quarterback. Maybe I get to call the plays. But if it wasn't for my wife, Laura, and her whole marketing team, and if it wasn't for, you know, Dan, my business partner, coming up with great ideas, and if it wasn't for the sales guys, and if it wasn't for the guy doing the shipping, and God knows I hate accounting. So um, (laughs) if it wasn't for those people doing that, like, I I wouldn't even got this far, you know, because I'm a great idea guy, but I'm a horrible finisher, you know. And I'm yeah. very self-aware about that. And so the biker build-off was awesome because it just reinforced that whole sense of team for me. And it does take a team to win the Super Bowl. And that's really the key. Yeah. And so for me, 
you know, these guys who say, well, I did it myself, I painted it myself, I upholstered it myself. Okay, but did you build the wheels? You know, I mean, there's always right. something. Did you build a cam? No, you know. And so there's always something. So it's like the more we would put our ego away and the more we can just be a team, the better off we're going to be. Yeah. And I feel the same way for our whole industry, and I just hope that it continues that way. So, like, you know, I mean, Corey's, you know, young compared to me, right? And so every time I see Corey, yeah. and if he's like, hey, Brian, I need this part. I just got this guy's bike done, and I'm looking for this. I'm like, okay, well, these are the three guys I know that might have it. And I just, you know, I start making phone calls. I'm like, this kid needs this part. You know, help him. And I think really that's <laughs> what it's about for me is, is you know, I'm an eternal helper. I will always try to do that. Yeah. And um, I feel like Clockworks is that to the customer as well. Um, to get back to your point about the biker build-off, it is straight – it was straight brutal. I mean, because for five days they film you, and the five days they're gone, you can't touch a thing. And they make sure you don't uh. touch anything. And so when they come back, then it's like all hands on deck, go like hell, you know. And then all of a sudden, uh-huh. it's, if you're here at 2 or 3 in the morning, they're back in their hotel sleeping, but they have these cameras staged all over the place to watch you. <laughs> and um, I thought it was a great experience for us because it really showed what we could do as a team. And, you know, some of my friends, like, Gene Slater came up and Tex McDormand and some of those guys helped on the paint and, 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 uh, it was just, it was unbelievable. And how the, how the industry that I had given so much to, and Dan and I would haul bikes to shows for people and we would show up for people and all they would do is, you know, buy us some beers and some dinner or give us some gas money. All of a sudden, <laughs> all those people came back. So now when I can help a younger builder, or Laura and I talk about it all the time, if we can help a charity or we can help somebody do something and get ahead, we dive right in. I mean, because, you know, awesome. we are very, very blessed. I mean, we're we're leading a very fortunate life. You know, I, Very I mean, awesome. I think you guys are fortunate just to be able to have that family time within your work, to be able to marry those two things together. That's, that's awesome. Well, you might want to be careful there. I don't think it's always that easy. <laughs> and I we didn't always say laugh. It was easy. I we just we said always it was awesome. we all, no, it is. We always laugh when we're like with the Covingtons and stuff, you know, because when you work, you know, or or when you're talking with the Nessas or anybody, you know, any family that's really been involved in this, and there's a you know a second generation coming along, and um, it's you know, it doesn't matter. It's even the people you work with after you've been there for five, six. 10, 15 years with them, uh, at the end of the day, you're all doing this because you're super passionate and you're all going to get super mad as well. And when you get super mad or super (laughs) excited about something, yeah, it's the highest of high and the lowest of lows. But at the end of the day, you all have to break bread together. You all have to go to dinner together. You all have to travel together. You all have to be in here together. And so many times you spend more time at work with all these great people than you do with your own family. You know, I'm lucky mm-hmm. that it is all these great people in my family. And so, yeah. um, it, you know, I, I don't, I mean, if I died tomorrow, um, I will have done everything I needed to do. And I hope that somebody says, Hey, he was a great guy and he helped me out. Cause when they asked me way back in the day, they said, what do you hope to do, Brian? Like, I mean, you're building this bike and I mean, do you want to win this show or that show? I'm like, well, I want to win Sturgis or I want to win Daytona. I certainly want to win the Super Bowl. But at the end of the day, I just hope to be one of the gentlemen of our industry. And to me, Arlen Arlen Ness has always been that. Donnie Smith has always been that. They would always stop, sign an autograph for a kid. Um, Just, 
answered goofy questions. And to take that time, I think, is important. And it's important for our industry to, to, continue, to continue to go forward and continue to grow. It is. So. It is. And I'm glad you mentioned that because – and you named a couple of good names there. Those guys are awesome. Um, it, it, it's always turned me off whenever people – act any differently people who won't take that time to answer a question because you never know who you're talking to you could be talking to somebody who's gonna end up being the next big person in the industry and you turned them down and maybe you even discouraged them from continuing you know so i i think that's awesome um yeah donnie smith told me one day he goes brian don't you want to be a banker or could you work at a hotel (laughs) or go in a restaurant or anything And I said, Donnie, no, really, I don't want to. And he goes, okay, well, if you can't get it out of your head, then just put your nose down and just be prepared to be broke for the rest of your life. I said, all right, deal. <laughs> <laughs> That's about how it goes. It's funny. And I I don't know if you know, but I had I had Donnie on a few weeks ago, back in December. And um, Corey and I both were very excited about having him on because he's just one of those guys. He deserves so much credit, you know? Yeah. And, and he's not – he doesn't put his neck out there. And he's not in the spotlight all the time, so he hasn't always received that credit that I think he deserves. So not that everybody is listening to this show, but I love that I was able to to let people know more about him, especially the younger generation who probably don't know everything about what he's accomplished. Yeah, I mean, honestly, and I would tell anybody this, Donnie Smith is like my dad in this industry. Um, You know, the the day that you wake up on Donnie Smith's couch and – he offers you some leftover chili for supper. Uh, you're super excited because you know you're sitting by a guy who is just so solid and um, yeah. just would do anything for anybody. And I mean, you know, here's like some gardening magazine laying on the on the counter there, and he's got all these fantastic house plants. And you're like, really? Like, <laughs> I mean, you're good at this too. And he's like, ah, yeah. just, I'm just an old farm kid. You know how it is. I'm like, no, I don't. I, I know funny. a lot of farm kids, and they can't raise a house plant to save their life. You know. <laughs> and um, I, he's just, I'm going to have to just, ask him next time I see him how he has time to be successful in the industry and keep up with house plants because I sure as heck yeah, don't have time to do that. Yeah, and I mean, he's, and I think that just sums up who he is. You know, he's just such a fantastic guy. And I mean, I used to spend hours on the phone. Uh, asking him questions and talking to him. And, um, you know, if somebody had a riff with me early on or didn't understand something I was doing, uh, Donnie would just call me. And he'd say, Brian, this guy said this about you. I said, Donnie, I didn't do that. I I, I absolutely didn't do that. I didn't say that. I wasn't even Uh there, you know. And he goes, well, I figured. He said, some of these guys are always going to try to cause trouble. He goes, no one likes success. And then (laughs) he said, said, "I'll, I'll handle it. And he he just that was it, and I'd never hear back from anybody about it. And I was like, really? Like, how cool was that? Like, I actually did what I said I was going to do, and Donnie yep. Smith calls me and says, "I got you. I'll take care of this." That's so and, cool. Yeah, I mean, he is such a gentleman and such a great guy. I mean, I just I can't say enough good about him and his brothers. You know, Happy and Greg, all yeah. those guys, and I'm lucky to be you know, five hours away from Minneapolis and just to see them and to hang out with them. And, um, I mean, when I, in 2010, my shop got flooded and even though we rebuilt our shop and did all this stuff before that, I'd asked Donnie if I could honor him by having him at my pre Sturgis party and having a couple of his old bikes. He literally, we went out in the garage behind his house and dug out a couple old diggers that he had there. 
and they were so yeah. cool. And and he let me bring him down here to Mitchell, and he's like, you know, he's embarrassed by it. And I said, well, I don't want something to happen, and to never tell you thanks because you are absolutely one of the greatest guys, and you've always been that person to me. And so, you know, I think. You know, when people say, oh, you and Laura do all these great things for charity and Clockworks does all this great stuff, it's a lot because the people who went before us and um, yeah, it's just a great industry. I don't, I don't know how you go wrong. It is a great industry. I say that all the time. If, if anybody needs help, it blows my mind how quickly all these guys come together. What do you need? What can I do? What can I give you? What can I get for you? And um, I it's just really special to me. I don't know. I it, At the end of the day, people bicker and, you know, talk about each other and everything. But at the end of the day, when something happens, everybody comes together in the, this industry. It's just a guarantee, and I, I think it's awesome. Yeah, like when um, Laura started the Helping with Horsepower uh-huh. program, we're like, I wonder if anybody would offer us parts for this. And, you know, it, people just came out of the woodwork, and, and the biggest vote of confidence was Terry Vance and his family um, and he would probably kill me for even telling people this, but uh, they donated ten thousand dollars to the Abbott House wow. that first year. Well, that paid for the wrecked bike, it paid for the parts, and it made everybody in Mitchell, South Dakota, and in the state of South Dakota believe in that program. And now she's got yeah. ten of them at any given time running around the country. You know, wow. but that is so takes, awesome. Well, I mean, for people who don't know about that, can you explain to people what that is? Yeah, Helping with Horsepower is literally just a program that Laura takes into troubled teen centers, and we actually even have one running in a high school now up in Pine Bush, New York. And it's a curriculum that she wrote in our kitchen, and she literally just uh, put it out there and said, okay, here's the deal. It's motorcycle message, motorcycle message. And so what you do is you say, here's the damaged bike, just like maybe your life is damaged. And now we're going to fix mm-hmm. it, but you can't do it by yourself, so we're going to work with these other people on the team. What parts do we need, or what would be make this bike great, and what would make your life great? And then with the tools that okay. you've been donated, it's just like the tools at the school, you can now fix your life just like you're going to fix this motorcycle. And it's not about making them all motorcycle mechanics. It's about empowering them to believe in themselves and to just do great things because they're not scared anymore. You know, and Laura always right. says, if you're going to be afraid, then go do it afraid. Because it's, it's not, yeah. the, the afraid's not going to go away. <laughs> you know, it's like, get yeah. over it. You know, it's like, just go do yeah. it. Because, I mean, try it, you know. And she's so, she's such a strong, uh, independent woman. And she's always taught our daughters like that. And now she teaches so many other girls and is such a great example. And, um, yeah, I'm blessed to be married. That's I married cool. way above my pay grade for sure. <laughs> It sounds like I'm going to have to ask Laura and the girls to come on sometime. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, it's a treat. You know, that whole program has really been a blessing to all of us at Clockworks. And everybody here as a staff and uh, even the other girls on the staff all help out so much, Jennifer and Carly. And um, it, it's a team effort, you know, but um, someone had to call the plays, and that was Laura. I mean, she's the one who sat down and wrote the curriculum and, and really went to bat. So. Awesome. Well, I'm going to ask you because I know that there's plenty of husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend teams and stuff out there. And you guys seem like you got it together. So even for us, Corey and I always said that we would never work together. And here we are. I, 
we're here every day together. So what's your secret? What do you think is the biggest piece of advice that makes it work for you guys that you can share with everybody else? You know, I think, um, for one, you're committed to each other and you're just like, you know, hell or high water, this is us and this is who we're going to be. But really, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, um, you know, if, if I do everything I can to make her happy and she does everything she can to make me happy, we'll be happy. But yeah. anytime that that teeter-totter goes the wrong way and one person jumps off, that teeter-totter doesn't work anymore. And so yeah. finding that balance is so, so tough. And it's not like you're not going to have those days or you're not going to have those moments where things aren't working and you're just grinding away at it. You know, um, our faith is obviously a big part of that. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we lead 15 people every morning in a in a half hour meeting we talk about what your kid did at school, how the track meet went, um your uncle that's dying, uh a problem a customer had with a windshield or something, and then we pray mm-hmm. and go on about our day. Nice. So that's ev- that's every day here. And uh you wow. know, while while I don't claim to know all the scriptures and I'm certainly not going to, you know, uh claim to be a preacher or anything, I think the the Bible's more about just living out your life as a great example and just being good to people. And really, um, it's almost the hardest sometimes with your spouse or with your significant other, because that's the person you're the closest to. And you think that that person should just understand and they should give you some slack. And yet that's the person that, um, truth be told, you should revere and hold in higher regard and higher respect than anybody. And, um, just not easy. You know, but yeah. uh, the rewards are so worth it. Like if Laura and I weren't together and we looked back to 2006, 10 years ago, when we did that biker build-off, and if I was with somebody else, it'd be like, well, yeah, I, I was dating this girl and she did the build-off, you know, or whatever, and she rode the bike, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Okay, you know, but there's no legacy there. And so really, what are you right. leaving behind for your kids? What are you leaving behind for the motorcycle industry? What are you leaving behind for your friends? And in Laura's case, you know, what is she leaving behind for all of these um, at-risk youth that she touches their lives and inspires them to be great or to try something that they maybe didn't think they could do? You know, so. Right. Right. Well, sorry, I didn't I mean to go all... into philosophy class awesome. here. <laughs> no, it's fine. I told you I wanted to learn more about you, so that's good. You know something I picked up on though that I wasn't expecting at all. Okay. You said fixing. I was fixing to do something. I thought that was a southern thing. Yeah. Well, maybe <laughs> I uh maybe I slipped up somewhere. Maybe I had some family that just went south of the border at some point. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> I, my, uh, I'm originally from uh, the Chattanooga, Tennessee area, and my oh, grandfather cool. always used to, we would say, I'm fixing to do this, and he would say, you're right. not fixing anything, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're about funny. to do this, so I always pick up on it whenever I hear that. Um, nice, I good one. I want to ask you also, um, is there, I heard you, I pay attention, I heard you say that you're doing a scout project, and I'm, I'm kind of a little fan of the scouts, I rode one uh, in Pennsylvania a while back, and uh, I, I kind of got my eye on him. So, is there is there anything you can share with us um, about that project? Uh, yeah, actually, this bike uh, we hope to unveil very soon. Uh, it mm-hmm. belongs to um, a friend of Bruce Ides. Bruce owns uh, Indian of Sturgis, and the owner's name okay. is Mark Marshall. He's Bruce's attorney, and he bought it brand new and brought it here and said, "Do your thing." 
And nice. his vi- his vision was to recreate um, the David Ewell painting called Pappy. And that's a tribute to Pappy Hoyle, uh, who founded Sturgis, okay. and he was on a 1938 scout. And so we're building yeah. a new scout to be a replica of that bike and just kind of a modern version of, you know, what Pappy might have raced back in the day. Very so, cool. Pappy, yeah. is, there's a, isn't there a, a sculpture or carving or something of him on uh, right outside of town? Right. Yeah, you're uh, right. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so, so, so it's a cool deal. And, you know, I, I have to say, I, I mean, when it, when we designed the first Indians, I was part of the aftermarket advisory team for that. And that was such a huge okay. honor for them to call me. And so for two years before that new Indian came out, I got to work on it. I got to pay attention to what was going on. I got to help them make choices. We had feedback groups. Um, so to work with Gary Gray, Greg Brew, Michael Song, all those guys at Indian was just a treat, right? And then yeah. when they debuted him in Sturgis, they needed a girl. And so they called mm-hmm. Laura. And so next thing you know, my <laughs> wife's riding out there with uh, Scott Wine, the CEO of Polaris, and, and you know Mike from American Pickers, Mike Wolf, And I'm uh-huh. like, that's my girl. You know, I was so excited and so <laughs> proud. And then uh, it was just one of those deals, you know, where you're like, you know, I mean, they could have picked anybody, right? And and I yeah. think they picked her because of who she is and her heart for kids and and the work that we had done with them. And you know, my wife rides a a 2016 Indian um, chieftain, and um, okay. you know, and Carly, our youngest, rides a scout, and she was the first person ever to build a custom scout. And then uh, she and John Shope both, she was supposed to unveil hers at Long Beach and they held her back. And then um, her and John both unveiled their bikes in New York City. And uh, it was just a treat to watch and it's been super fun for me. And so I'm a big fan of the motor. I'm a big fan of the power plant and how it works. And um, I'm just a fan of motorcycles in general. Like I said, we've got a uh, a 1988 um, uh, FXR down here that I'm doing that's a was belonged to Gene Cook, and he was a uh, hamster and a drag specialties rep in San Diego area. And he passed away from cancer Mm -hmm. quite a few years back, but this bike was built by Donnie Smith in uh, 1988-89 probably. Uh, Debuted on a bunch of different magazines in 1990, and we're just restoring it. So we're not changing it. It will still look Uh full-blown 90s FXR hamster-style custom. Uh-huh. I'm excited to I'm I'm excited to bring that to Sturgis this year and just um pay tribute to Gene and, and the great guy that he was. He had given the bike to his nephew and his nephew said, uh, Brian, I can't afford this bike anymore. I am going to college, I need the money for school. Um mm-hmm. my grandpa would want you to have it. And so he called Aww. me and I was just just uh, arriving at the Donnie Smith show, heading to dinner with everybody and I said, absolutely, sold. I'll take it. Um, and I'll just restore it, and I'll take care of it. And if you ever want it back, you just let me know. So That's uh, awesome. I'm excited to bring that out. And um, like I said, we're working on this other Scout project. We, I've been putting a lot of 180 tires on the front of baggers right mm-hmm. now. Uh, I'm a huge uh-huh. fan of that big, thick tire and just how it will eat up South Dakota potholes. So uh <laughs> It works really good, and we can do it on any new bike without changing the triple trees. And so we just shave the fork okay. legs down, and, and we're able to put a 180, uh, 18, 
you know, wheel tire combo in there. And, and so we're doing a Road King that we'll have at Daytona as well. So nice. we've got a few things okay. going on. Um, for Sounds your like listeners, it. here's the real big sneak peek is keep your eyes out at Baird-Jackson next week. Um, okay. I'll be there with my friends from Indian and my friends from Jack Daniels. Okay. That's it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, we'll have to we'll have to stay tuned for that. I'm sure that's going to be something good. <laughs> It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Um, so, I, and I'm excited to see that FXR in Sturgis. So I, I've got to come hunt you down and find that. Um, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I have other things that I, I promised I would get to. So, a um, couple of questions from listeners. Paul from Madison, Wisconsin, said, "What's your favorite bike you've ever owned?" Ooh, nice one, Paul. Um, <laughs> probably um, my first ever FXR that I did full custom was a 1990. It was a police bike, and uh, that was the one that I took the frame in the trunk of my mom's car because it, it was bigger and it, my my frame would fit in the trunk of her car. And I pulled up to mm-hmm. Donnie Smith's house, and I walked in there, and Rob Rail, uh, actually, um, who still works for Donnie, actually uh, raked the frame on it for me. And talk about uh-huh. petrified. I walked in there and Rob's this huge muscle bound dude and I was like, Oh geez, what am I gonna do here? you know and, and I and I'm talking to Donnie Smith, so I already feel like I'm, you know, at Johnny Cash's house and I don't know how to play guitar. Yeah. And I'm like, Wow, you know, but what a treat for me and then of course we referred earlier to that Cherry Bomb Bobber, that's that little springer which I still own. Um, that's the bike that my wife says I can't ever sell because she goes, even if you're having a horrible day, that thing always just makes you smile. So Ah, it's probably. Laura, I say the same thing. I know you're probably listening and I have two different bikes. Everybody knows. I always say Corey's not allowed to sell this. Honestly, when it comes down to it, I don't have a say. It's his stuff, but (laughs) I always say you're not getting rid of those. And I ask him, I say, Corey, what would happen if we were in Daytona in the spring and we're standing on Main Street and you saw somebody ride by on that bike, yeah, and his face it crushes goes you. dumb, and I'm like, that's why. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Exactly. That's so yeah, funny. that would be my answer to that. I, I've always been an FXR guy. My first two Harleys I ever owned were an '85 and an '86 FXR. The '85 okay. was really just trashed, and I uh, painted it in this. These guys came up and said, oh, man, you're a stupid kid. You know, what would you do? You wrecked that bike. You took off the decals. You took off all this stuff. Well, I, I rode it for a whole summer, and I sold it for $800 more than I paid, and I thought I had won the lottery, you know? Ah, uh, yeah. And so, so I've been an FXR guy forever. The the other bike that I'm working on down here is a 1991 FXR, and that one's a full-blown okay. FXRP, um, so it's got the bags on it. It's got uh, the the factory tour pack on it but i made it detachable uh-huh. and we used the old style mag wheels and we painted them just like people would have done I, i'm trying to build a 90s custom one i'm restoring a 90s custom the other one i'm trying to uh-huh. build one and so the one we're building cool. i actually had pm give me the 13 inch rotors and the whole deal and yeah it'll be fun very cool i was gonna say if your first bike was an fxr you must love that those are really popular right now again yeah i do and actually we will be um in Daytona, I will have new FXRP windshields for everybody. So everybody has been asking me for, why don't you make a flare windshield? We know you're in FXRs. We've done it. <laughs> uh, they're in production right now. So by mid-February, we'll have them available. Very cool. Very cool. Um, I have to mention, uh, because we've had several other hamsters on, 
how long have you been a hamster? And I want to know what your favorite <laughs> hamster memory is. Oh, man. I've been a hamster since 1999. Um, okay. Probably my favorite favorite memory was getting in. Um, I yeah. didn't understand the whole deal. process. I didn't understand how it worked even. I just knew that, like, Donnie would tell me what bar they were at, and I would never go into the bar. I would <laughs> sit out in the parking lot and crawl around their bikes and just learn how they mounted this and where they put the regulator and how they mount that master cylinder and all that kind of stuff. And uh-huh. then... Uh, it was 99, and I went to Sturgis, and Paul Whitmoyer, uh, who's the head bartender at the Harley-Davidson Cafe in Las Vegas, so if you're out there ever, say mm-hmm. hi to Paul. And he invited me to come to the dinner, and I'd been up for four days working on motorcycles straight. Uh-huh. And I said, Paul, I really got to go to sleep. I really don't feel good. He goes, <laughs> dude, come on. He goes, I already got you a ticket. I go, I'm not even a hamster. I, I, I don't want to go to the dinner. It's just for hamsters. You just go. I respect that. Just go do your thing, you know? He goes, no, man, you're coming with me. So I got ready quick. I took a shower. I went with him. Dave Perowitz is up there, and he said, you know, we haven't let anybody in for a couple of years. He goes, we're going to start right here at home, uh, South Dakota kid, Brian Clock. Ah. And I, and I, I just sat there. I, I was like, what? what? I don't understand. Paul goes, get up there, dude. And Corey Ness was sitting on the table with us, and I, I'm like, what? I don't get it, you know? <laughs> and I walked up there, and, you know, Dave hands me my T-shirt and the whole deal, and I was just blown away. Of course, that night, we went out and partied like rock stars, and the next day, uh-huh. I woke up, and I was dead sick, right? I'd gotten mauled oh. from running, getting so run oh down from building those bikes. So while it was the greatest moment of my life, <laughs> it was the sickest <laughs> moment of my life. And so I will never forget that, you know, and it was uh. a really a treat, but... Uh, I still have I, – I wore that shirt that one night, and I uh-huh. kept it. And anybody who comes here uh, will see the shirt hanging on the wall in the hallway. And um, the next year, it was flown up to the – the same style of shirt was flown in the shuttle um, with uh-huh. an astronaut friend of uh-huh. ours, uh, Kurt Brown. And so okay. I have a picture of Kurt, and I have that T-shirt on the wall – and so the day that Kurt walked in, and it, it's probably been, it was probably 10 years later, right? And Kurt walks into my shop, and he walks down the hallway, and I said, hold on, hold on. And I looked at everybody in the shop. I go, you guys got to come up front. And Kurt was up there, and I said, ladies and gentlemen, this is the guy in the hallway. <laughs> and he looks at me, and I go, yeah, no joke. And he walks down there, and he sees that big old T-shirt in this big frame and then uh, a picture of him and I said you need to sign the outside of that frame he goes absolutely I'm honored and so and Kurt's from Wisconsin so that was pretty cool for me yeah very cool cool. I like it um Brad from Dahlonega Georgia asked if you're going to have a booth in Daytona which we we kind of already talked about that Brad but you're going to be set up at JMP Cycles right yeah, we are. We got a new 48-foot Featherlight trailer last year. We wrapped it in uh, as bright a red as we could find, and uh, <laughs> we will be there. We'll have the new Kicker Audio stuff. Uh, we got some new tricks from them. We also have those new aisle mount, the phone mounts, that I'm just so jacked mm-hmm. about. And then, of course, we'll be doing uh, demo rides on windshields and have all of our other product there as well to, to check out. So, yeah, absolutely, Brad, come on by. I'm stoked. be good to see everybody. Okay. How does that work, the demo rides with the windshields? Because that's really cool. That's an opportunity for you guys to go out and actually try them out before you buy them, which is rare. Right. And so you just you literally pull into J&P Cycles. You tell them you're coming to Clockworks. You pull right up to our booth, 
and we'll put on whatever height and color of windshield you want if we have it in stock, mm-hmm. and you'll go out for a ride. And then if you decide, I'm not sure about that one, I want to try a different height, not a problem. And even if you come back and say, you know, it's not for me, um, it's okay. 2,000 people don't want pepperoni pizza. And at the end of the day, <laughs> I just want you to say you had a good experience with Clockworks and you didn't waste your money on something you didn't yeah. want. Because I think that's what's made us such a popular brand is because our customer service is fantastic. My staff is amazing. And um, I just can't say enough good about the team that uh, Laura and I and Dan have here. And we love for people to try it because when they come back like Corey did and they're just jacked up, I mean, that's <laughs> like a shot of adrenaline for me. I'm like, yeah, that's a win. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so it's it's so fun. Very cool. Now, tell everybody where they can check out all your products, where they can find you, and uh, let us know about anything else that's going on before we close out the show. Well, obviously, you can go to uh, www.custombaggers.com, spell custom with a K, and uh, Mm -hmm. that's where you can check out all the parts, um, check out all of our YouTube videos as far as, uh, and just that's all under Clockworks. And uh, it's spelled K-L-O-C-K-W-E-R-K-S, and it's two words. And uh, clock is my last name, and uh, I thought if I had a weird name, why shouldn't I just run with it? And uh, the works (laughs) is spelled with an E because I have a German background, and so that's that's the deal. That's why it is what it is. And I'm just I'm so thrilled, and so thank you for having me on tonight. And I'm thankful for people that are asking questions and following us. Um, we've seen a huge rise in our Facebook and our Instagram stuff uh, lately, and it's just Clockworks Custom Cycles. And it's been a treat for me because, you know, everybody said, well, well, that windshield thing can't last forever. You know, what are you going to do? And at the end of the day, if I just went back to changing oil on motorcycles and getting to play with motorcycles, I'm cool with that because we now make them yeah. for gold wings. We make them for – I just did an F6B for um, Cure the Kids. It's a, a – Terminal Cancer Foundation for Young Children, and mm-hmm. uh, we did that with American Honda. So we put a 180 front tire on a Honda F6B and uh, built this thing that's just it's just monstrous looking, and it rides so good and handles so good. And uh, so that's been a treat for me too to learn about other brands and other bikes and what what else is available out there, you know. And Dan, my business Very partner, cool. um, he's now got a Polaris Razor 1000. So you can watch okay. for great things for, from us on that. And uh, Jeff, one of my best friends, has a slingshot, so we're playing with that. And uh, I'm leaving all the big, tired, crazy Hayabusa stuff to Corey, but, uh, you know, <laughs> that 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 is his gig, you know. He's good That's at it. That's funny. <laughs> He's you good know, at um, it. We're doing a, a slingshot Plus, right I didn't now. Know, and and, hey, the other thing what? I want to talk about is let's talk about Corey's pants for a second. What's the deal with this guy wearing – I didn't even know that was a thing. Curtis Hoffman told me about that. I mean, Corey, I mean, he – well, one day he had raspberry pants on. The next day they were this crazy blue color, and the next day they're purple. And, I mean, you know, like a lot of guys have a shoe thing, you know, or a coat. Like they're tons of leather coats, or they're into the yeah. most coolest cowboy boots or something, or <laughs> – just got every Chuck Taylor converse in the world. Mm-hmm. Not Corey Souza. Check out the pants, ladies and gentlemen. Corey Hoff- uh, Curtis Hoffman <laughs> will tell you he's famous for it. I had no idea. 
You know, Corey so, always has to be different. And just like you said, nobody else has a pants thing, really. So he yeah, has no. every color of Dickies ever made. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it is it's so fun. And those all those young guys, you know, Curtis Hoffman, Corey, all those guys um, – just it's fun for me, you know, and a lot of times they come to me kind of almost <laughs> as a mentor and say, hey, what do you think about this? Yeah. I was thinking about doing that. And um, I'm honored that they respect Clockworks, the brand, like they do. And, and so yeah. we're very fortunate that Dan and I and Laura have been able to bring this thing as far as we've gotten it. So it's been a treat. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I told you, Corey can't say enough nice things about you and he said today whenever I said that you were coming on tonight he said you haven't had him on yet I said no <laughs> I, I've, I've wanted to but we're just out getting around to it so I'm that's very okay glad we're not the trendsetters I, I'm telling you we're the level guys we're the everyman business no okay. no I, I I've been wanting to have you on but um I feel like I got to know you a lot better, and I hope that all the listeners got to know you better and learn a little bit about you. And uh, I want to encourage everybody to check out their website and uh, make sure. I know pretty much all of our listeners are going to be in Daytona because this is the 75th anniversary for Bike Week. It's going to be huge. So uh, make sure you go by up at uh, Ross Myers JMP and check out uh, Brian and the Clockworks crew up there. And um, we'll have to get an update from you on all these projects in a couple of months. Absolutely. Anytime. It was it was my pleasure to talk to you, and uh, I just think what you're doing for our industry is great, and I want you to know that as a um, a guy who lives with three very powerful women uh, that love to ride motorcycles and love to be part of this industry, uh, it's great to see more women uh, being involved, and uh, I just think what you're doing for our industry is a huge service, so um, hats off to you. Well, thank and, you. Uh, I just—it's uh, always fun to see your face and smiling uh, at everywhere, and you definitely are that positive <laughs> vibe. Um, so I'm thankful for that. And and while we've only ever waved or shared a smile, um, I was honored to be on tonight. So thank you very much. Well, thank you, Brian. That means a lot. I had a good time, and um, I'm sure I'll see you in Daytona. All right. I hope to see everybody there. Right. That'll be fun. All right. Have a good night. Thank you so much, Brian. You bet. Good night, everybody. All right, guys. So we are going to move along to the big announcement that I have been anxiously awaiting. Um, And by the way, I am so glad that Brian did finally get to come on the show. I loved the talk that we had with him, and I hope you guys learned as much about him as I feel like I learned. Um, I always knew from hearing everybody talk and and, – being a friend of a friend that he and his family were great people, but um, I, that's definitely solidified now. So I'm, I'm glad he was able to come on. Now this month is probably one of the, it's close to one of the best lineups we've ever had. And I'm pretty excited about it. So we had Brian from clockworks on tonight next week, guys, this is what I've been waiting to tell you. My friend, Bobby Seeger from Indian Larry motorcycles is going to be on I've talked to Bobby about coming on for a while, and those of you who know him, he has a very strong personality, so this is going to be a good show. I can't wait for this one. So that's going to be next Thursday, and then the following Thursday, you guys have been hearing a lot of uproar about Ballistic Psych. Tim McNamara is going to be on. We're going to talk a little bit about that uh, dual hubless bike that they're doing right now and, and anything else they have going on. Uh, They're definitely trendsetters in the industry, so I'm excited to be able to talk with him, get to know him a little better, and find out what's going on there. Um, As far as Bobby from Indy and Larry coming on, this is going to be a little bit of a change-up. I said 
way back when I started the show in 2010 that I never wanted to pigeonhole myself into one niche. You know, you never know how long a trend's going to last. And while I don't think that big wheel baggers are necessarily a trend, I think the huge wheels are a trend. But um, baggers aren't going anywhere. Baggers are here to stay. They're practical, and they're never going anywhere. But uh, I also want to show some love to the bobbers and still to the choppers and and all the different kinds of motorcycles that are out there because I I love all of them, you know. And and I want to make sure that our listeners are happy and we're not just uh, giving you information about what's going on in the big wheel bagger sector of the industry. So uh, it'll be really cool to have Bobby on to tell us what's going on uh, up in Brooklyn at Indian Larry Motorcycles. Uh, They have a lot of cool projects going on and uh, it's exciting. Everything that they do and the people that they hang out with and and all that, it's it's exciting. So you guys are going to like that episode next Thursday, Tim McNamara the following Thursday. And uh, the next week is V twin. So that is, uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, first weekend of February. This is where all the manufacturers come out, most of them, uh, unveil their new parts. So I'll have a lot of stuff to come back to you guys, report back with pictures and videos of some new stuff that's coming out of the market. So super excited about that. Speaking of the market, I don't know if you guys read this, but Harley-Davidson, uh, there was a an article that was roaming around today, today or yesterday on uh, jmpcycles.com about the the new direction that Harley-Davidson is going with their marketing. To me, it's not new. I've heard uh, some people that I know who work in Milwaukee talk about this for a while. So I knew that it was a plan of theirs to really target uh, the young adults and women, which is smart, of course. Um, but they've they've actually announced it now, so it's official, that they, they're really going after the women and the younger crowd. Those of you who are about my age, 30s, um, you know that people are getting into Harleys a lot earlier than they used to. Um, the sport bikes, there's still people on sport bikes, but, I mean, it's just not comfortable anymore. So you want to get on uh, a Harley a little bit earlier, most people do. And there's so many cool things going on, cool accessories and parts and stuff for Harleys. So that's really a huge market for them. It was neat to read the article uh kind of threw some jabs in there. Uh, they were talking about uh, how Harley is starting to hire younger applicants. And uh, they actually said that Harley's stock prices have dropped down a third from last year. I, I like to think maybe that's because of Victory and Indian. You know that we've talked about that a lot on the show, about the presence of Victory and Indian and how strongly they hit the market over the past couple of years. Um, I don't think that'll ever take away from the overall sales of Harley. Uh, they're a tried and true brand and they're there to stay obviously. But I do think Victory and Indian have something going on with the models that they've released over the past couple of years. And like Brian and I were talking about earlier, even the scouts, I mean, whereas before the women would always have the smaller Jap bikes or the sportsters or the soft tails maybe to go to, um, Victory has some really good models out that are great for first time riders. Um, for women, for smaller guys, just some smaller bikes, you know, and, and I really enjoyed riding the scout. Uh, my friend Tom has a scout that I rode uh, in Johnstown, Pennsylvania back in June. And uh, I, I don't know. I think they're hitting a part of the market that maybe, maybe Harley's a little scared at this point. I wouldn't blame him. So uh, that was a cool article to read. That's on jmpcycles.com. And uh, we're almost out of time. So I want to tell you guys, thank you so much for listening again tonight. We're glad to be back on air. 
Uh, again, this is the first episode of season six. It's going to be a strong season, guys. I want to hear you on our Facebook page, on our Instagram. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. What do you want to, what do you want to hear? Who do you want to hear about? Who would you like to have on the show? Uh, I want to make sure you guys are all enjoying it, and I will do my best to get anybody on here that you guys want to hear from. So make sure you check out Facebook, Instagram, and remember we have our, our private group on Facebook now, so it's just for our listeners. Make sure you get on there. It's Wide Open Radio Custom Motorcycle Talk Radio on Facebook. Now, uh, again, our website has all of the podcasts, so don't forget about that. Uh, it is a really just a cool website that you can go to. You can check out all of the past shows. So if you're not listening live now and you're listening to the podcast, you can actually put that on your phone to listen to anytime you want. And all of those shows can be found on the website, wideopenradioshow.com. Thanks again, guys. We will be back next week on Thursday, 7 p.m. with Bobby Seeger of Indian Larry Motorcycles. Come on.